This is where now you need to make big boy decisions in a downturning market as a seller. Like it's still okay to sell now. Don't be like, oh my God, I'm not gonna sell. I'm just yeah. gonna get destroyed. No, right. there are still areas that are hot and you can get good products, things you want. So while I think, yes, we're trending downwards, I still think location, location, location. If you're, if you're in the right location as a seller, you don't ever need to panic. excited to talk to you today about how to sell in a downturning market. Is it a downturning market? Anyway, let me introduce you to our um, exciting panel. So first on my right, or your left, Nima Ameri. Hey, what's the up, deal everyone? Maker, the lawyer. Um, Just a guy. From Ameri Law Firm. Living a guy's um, life. Knows everything and knows nothing all at the same time. And then I have Omar Sharif, the VP of the Alexander Anderson Capital Group and an expert flipper, expert residential uh, experienced agent, knows everything about residential. Today, we're gonna talk to you about how to sell in a downturning market. First, let me ask, is it a downturning turning market? Um, Nima, Omar, what do you think? Yeah, I do think it's definitely a downturning market. As soon as interest rates rise and market changes, um, that's where we're in right now. All right, listen, what we think is irrelevant bottom line is statistics, statistics, statistics. So about 590,000 new single family houses were sold last month on a seasonally adjusted annual basis. That is an 8% decline from the May rate of 642,000, right? And it falls sharply below analyst projections of $660,000. And that is according to the census department who came out on a release on last Tuesday. So it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we see. The numbers simply don't lie. Median what are they saying? That well, it's a downturning market? Of course. Look at the median sale hope, uh, medium sales prices, right? New homes. It used to be four. It, it plunged to $402,000 last month. It was $449,000 in May, right? And the lowest level since June 2021, where it hit a record high of $457,000 in April. So you're going from $457,000 for your medium uh, household purchase sale to $402,000. That's over a 10% drop. So, so, so that's all statistic-based. But again, <coughs> reality is every market is different. So I think there are locations that are downturning, and then there are locations that are still hot. I, I, look, I, 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 you have to take it across as an aggregate average, right? Yeah. The number of new homes for sale went up 17,000 by 17,000 to an estimated 457,000 homes. Before we were in a situation where you had low inventory, low interest, high demand, right? All that's now a mixed bag of nuts. Inventory is rising. Everybody is trying to get on this bandwagon of let me list my house, let me catch the end of this wave. And all they're doing is they're accelerating, accelerating the downturn yeah, in this market, market, right? Because guess what, guys? Interest rates are not going down. Not they're yet. just not. Not yet. They're going to go up yeah. and then they're going to go down. That's what I think. Yeah. Look, and yeah. It, 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 what we also have to recognize or what we have to acknowledge too is that you know, we went from one of the most aggressive buyers markets. We've have you have you seen anything different? No. Very aggressive. You guys have been yeah. both in this game. So Omar, you're an investor, right? As an investor, have you had a really tough time buying properties as an investor the last couple of years? Yeah. Right? What were some of the things that you found most difficult? Um, there is no there is no discounted properties right now. So the, the competition with these low rates with people bidding up properties is something I've never seen before. Okay. So there's no discounted properties on the MLS or on the multiple listing services, but you can still find deals. You just have to hunt for them. So it, yes. You know, and, and then it depends. Is it residential, commercial? You know, there's always deals out there. It's just in context. You had a tough time. Not as easy. So you're saying that as a flipper, it's there's there's much less inventory to flip than there's less inventory. But also when sellers, even if they're off market, when they realize that the market's hot, they're more reluctant to sell to a private investor. That happens as well. Okay. Why is that? They think they can get more money, more money for the house easily from this from putting it on the market when they have all their neighbors telling them, hey, it took me two days to get X amount of dollars for my house. Good point. Eric, and, and, yes. you own a brokerage, right? I do. Right? So you see this. You, you have data, you have analysts, you have numbers, right? Yes. What do you think? I think that it all depends on the area. I think that there are towns that have issues, and then there are other towns that are still riding high. Um, I think we have to go over what are some of the signs to look out for. So let's talk about how to sell in a downturn in the market. 
if it's a downturning market, and let's talk about like the top three things to, to look out for to, to, to determine if you're a seller and you see these things happening, should you panic? Should you be worried? What should you do? Okay, can we okay. agree that it's a downturning market? For the most part, generally speaking, there's different different towns. Some places are still hot, but overall, yeah, I, I we're going in a negative direction. I think it's I think it's out there. I think that potentially we're going in a negative direction, but uh, I still think that there's still such a demand for homes out there. I mean, the housing starts are down, so I I still think people need to buy, and and there's and I think that there's people are going to buy regardless of what the interest rate are. There are those people out there. Okay, so look, from someone who gives advice, how would you? What, what's the first step in selling in a downturn market like this, where it's not down yet, but you know it's not what it was a year ago or even six months ago? You know. So, so let's talk about the top three things, which will lead us to that first step. Okay? okay. So top three things that I think you need to look out for to determine whether your location or your area is in a downturn market are first rising inventory. Okay, so you just read statistics about rising inventory, right? Mm -hmm. So Omer and I were talking earlier, some towns in our market have rising inventory, some towns in our market don't. So when you have a rising inventory level, what happens? Supply Prices demand. Go down. Supply right. demand. You have more supply. Yeah. If demand doesn't go up, right, which do you think demand's going up or demand's going down with higher interest rates? I think it depends on the market, but in theory, you could say demand would be going down with higher interest rates. Okay, yeah. so you have increase in supply and you have, in theory, a reduction in demand. So what's that gonna lead to for a seller? Lower price. Okay. Okay, all right, so we got rising inventory. We've got another factor to look out for, days on the market. Okay, how long, once something was listed, how long is it sitting there before it goes under contract? Okay, in a hot market, it would take how many days? Hot market within five days okay and in a downturning market what do you start to see and then what do you see in a recession like from your experience well, for, for the most part <coughs> in a downturning market you see price reductions which we haven't seen in the past few years so that's the first sign and then how many days on the market if it goes beyond two weeks at this point if it goes beyond three weeks up to a month which is normal in most markets mm -hmm. uh, but from what where we where we're coming from 30 days means that it's definitely a sign of a down market okay so are you seeing things starting to hit that 30-day mark um, overall, yeah. Okay, so that's another sign. And obviously, we talked about this earlier, number three would be rising interest rates. So today there's a meeting, we're having this podcast, there's a Fed meeting today, where they may or may not raise interest rates. We're gonna find out in a couple hours and we're gonna, we're gonna know. But um, so- What do you think, it's going up or down? I think it's going up. Up or down? I think so too. What do you think? Is it going up? Let us know. And anyway, but um, so again, we have rising inventory, days on the market, rising mortgage rates. I think if you see those three things happening in your market, then what is it, Nima? What, what was that? I wasn't paying attention to you. Then it's a downturning market. Rising inventory, <laughs> rising days on the market. I'm getting all depressed from what we're talking about, guys. I'm like, shit, I yeah. got to sell, sell, sell. <laughs> so so those definitely would be three things that I think people should look out for. Do you, do you think that those would be the top three things or do you think there's something else? Um, yeah, I, I think that th those are definitely statistically or factually like the top three things. But I think to your point where there's all these ancillary factors, I think that if we take ourselves sort of out of our own skins for a second of like looking at things almost unemotionally and professionally and put ourselves in um, most sellers, which are not institutional sellers like us, right? Um, there are people who have a reason or need to sell. I think that there's all these sort of between the lines that we have to analyze. Like how badly do you need to sell your property? Right. right. Um, why are you trying to sell your property and what are you hoping to gain from it? Right. Those are, I think, the three in betweens what you kind of just touched on. Um, so you're talking about should I sell? Right. So you're determining. Should yeah. I sell. Yes. Okay. So. Yes. That's should I, I sell in. A, so if obviously if this is a downturning market and you're evaluating that you need to sell, then in theory, the quicker you get on a downturning market. Right the quicker you're out before it keeps going down. So that's if you're smart, right? So actually, Eric and I were talking about this earlier, Omar, and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. We were just kind of shooting the shit. I don't know if I could say that, but, um, and we were, I, I, I have a property, right, that I have listed. Um, now, my con, I, I knew, I've been saying since day one on this podcast that we are on our route to doomsday, right? You watch all our prior podcasts, I've been repeating it, I've been saying it over and over again. So if you look at it, I figured, okay, I'm buying in January, February. I need to be on the market in March, right? 
obviously my contractor like most and guys go back and watch our contractor episodes because it doesn't matter how good you are, how much of a professional you are, how much of a rock star you are. We all get effed, right? I got effed with your contractor. My, my construction didn't complete till way past 60 to almost 90 days and I caught the end of the market. It, I put it up. Yeah. It was a vacation area and I didn't get any bites. Also, it was too far, which ties in. I made the same mistakes that I discussed on this podcast of what other people shouldn't do. I bought a place too far on the recommendation the of a broker. I should watch my own podcast. <laughs> it was too far. So I didn't go check on it. The guy did not give me a perfect finished product with little issues. So there wasn't a lot of demand. Time expanded to 30 days. I had two choices. I can now say to myself, I bought very cheap, guys. My rule of thumb, and I've said this on the podcast before, if you buy at the right price, You'll no matter what happens, you won't <laughs> yeah. lose. I bought at the right price. At the heat of the market, I bought at the right price. Now, in this context, I said to myself, all right, you know what? Don't worry about it. You're in a great location. You put out a pretty decent product. Let me rent it, right? I went to rent it, 31, 3200 bucks a month. I got offered up to $3,500 a month. Guys, that's a lot. I bought the property at 280. I'm into the property for about... 60, 70, I'm, I'm in the mid threes, right? So did you rent it? <clears throat> no, I Why did not? the numbers. Didn't work. At today's interest rates, mm -hmm. yeah. I would lose on a refi. I would not get all my money out that I put in, right? So I would, I would still have about 40 grand into the deal right. and I would lose $300 a month. Not good. Guys, lower six, your price. Six months ago, well, we're going to get to that. So six months ago, this was a 10 cap property. I was yeah. making eight to 10% of my money with interest rates. In today's market, and it, I, I didn't even believe it. I said 30. Yeah, I'm good. That's a, that's a healthy. I sat, I called the mortgage broker. I crunched some numbers. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? I, and, but that's based on your location. So we talked about earlier, location determines whether your market is changing. And lo but location is fire. It's Branchville. It's on the lake, right? Culver Lake. That's a hot area. Obviously not right now. Well, it's the interest rates in this case. It's the, so my refi was at my purchase number. It wasn't even at the mortgage number. That mortgage would have been like 5K a year at the 450, 500. I was flabbergasted. What did I do? Look, I dropped the price. I went to the mid fours. Some content, none. I had two choices. I can now one, rent dead service, hold, leave my money parked. Or dump it. Dump it. Right. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Dumped it. I listed it 399,900. And how many bids did you get? I did it yesterday. Okay. Bye-bye. So guys, this is where now you need to make big boy decisions in a downturning market as a seller. Do you hold? Guess what? People who hold, what's what's the uh, what's the Adam? People you left holding the bag? Yes. Right? Left holding so the bag. So guys, and this is something super like Omar, from a flipper's perspective, and Eric, if you don't mind giving us from an from a real estate, I know you do commercial, but talk residential for a second from just your brokers or what you advise sellers in your brokerage. Do you hold or sell in this situation? Like, am I making the right choice unloading this property? Because if I can get the money I put in back and I take a five, six thousand dollar loss. So knowing you, because you're not you're not looking to hold residential properties in that respect, I think you're making the right decision. Assuming I was even just the numbers. It depends on how much of a loss you're doing, and it depends if you have something better to do with the money. And since you believe so aggressively that this is a downturn market and things are going to crash, then based on what I know of your belief, I would say sell it, recoup your money, because in six months you're going to buy five other things and you're going to make 10 times more money. But let's say you didn't have five other things lined up. What's the alternative to not selling it? I don't have five other things so, lined up. So what's the alternative to not will. selling it? You, well, we just discussed it. I can rent, rent it, it. Yeah, so, but no, I'm going to lose money every month. Yeah. Or I hold an Airbnb it, hoping to make peak money during seasonal rentals in the yeah. summer and things like that. But now, now Airbnb requires a lot of work and a lot of attention. And it's a whole process again, knowing you, that's out. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, the Airbnb is a great, great, great option. Um, I actually have a friend uh, who has an Airbnb, a couple of them in um, where's Pennsylvania, the Poconos, right? Mm -hmm. And he's doing phenomenally well. He's making yeah. thousands and he's making like $10,000 profit a month all almost all year long because he's doing an Airbnb. So for a normal person who had more time on their hands, I would say that's a that's a great option. But all right, and so a lot of you listeners now, like these are probably all things you're thinking about, right? Because everyone hears these cool stories like, yeah, I can Airbnb it, I can do this, I can do that. I'm an institutional guy. Airbnb, yeah. I have to furnish that house. That's mm -hmm. ten, fifteen thousand dollars to it furnish is. it, right? Yeah. They it may get damaged, right? Mm -hmm. It may not rent on Airbnb. Now I don't have a consecutive tenant. I don't have a guaranteed income. You can't go to a bank and say I'm Airbnb. Lend to me on this. So, in my my opinion, in today's market, as a seller, 
Don't be greedy. Get out. Yeah. Get out. If you get an offer and you're like, well, three months ago was this. Guys, it's not, it doesn't go back up. So actually, we're going to talk about that. So we wanted to, one of the things we wanted to talk about today was reasons to panic. Should you panic? Should you not panic? One of the first things that everybody say or that I've heard over the years is your first offer is your best offer, right? So let's talk about that. Should you take the first offer if you're a seller in a downturn in market? What do you think? If it's close to your asking price and it is a healthy offer, take it. Be done. Move on. Yes. Can you always do better? Sure. But you can always do worse. You can always do worse. Omar. I'm on the same page. But usually we're still at the tail end of the peak market. So if you get one offer, chances are you will get a second offer. Okay. And take it. Take it sooner than later. So don't take your first offer. Or wait. Well, if it's within the same two, two three days. So how, do, how should, should you look at the inventory and see if rising inventory is happening and, and see where No, I would say if you, if you list it. Accordingly, based on what the market, what your realtor is suggesting, and you get the price close to asking, like Nima said, um, take it. I'm a big fan of first offer is best offer. I yeah. think when someone is aggressively looking in a town, especially for residential, whoever comes out strong at you on that first couple days, that's your buyer and you should take it. You know, I've actually, until you asked me that question, I never even thought about that, but the way you just structured it makes a lot of sense. If someone wants it and they're that aggressive, you know they're coming in strong and they're coming in hot. Yeah. So that's actually a really, really good point. I'm going to keep that in mind in the future. So I think in a, um, in, in a non-down market, in a rising market, your first offer is not always your best offer, okay? But I think in a downturn in market, your first offer is, is potentially your best offer. Yeah. So, so. you know, guys, and, and today's, is this a seller's market too? Um, I negotiated a contract I was in as is uh, a $15,000 drop, right? And my answer to them was really simple. Okay, hold my deposit. Go put it on the market. See how long it'll take and how long you'll you'll have to wait, right? Oh, if you think that you can do better and you think that you did me a favor, right. then fine, I'll get my deposit back anyway. If you didn't, guess what? You're going to be coming right back to me to close at a lower number. So mm -hmm. let's just cut out the middleman. They closed at a lower number. Sometimes that works. So, so let's talk about location. How does location affect your downturn in the market? So some locations... Do you, do you think that plays into a, a whether or not a market is down? That, that thousand percent. Listen, the what does it say? That the, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. So and statistically speaking, if you do some research, you're going to see currently speaking, the housing markets that are falling the hardest and the fastest are Arizona, Utah, Nevada and L.A. Okay, right? why do you think that is? Because those are the markets that also went up the fastest. Okay. Things that shoot up because of novelties, right? Everything to me has a natural growth level, right? You need to, things that grow naturally because of an, it, it, maybe the town has new amenities, <laughs> new construction, more people. You'll see a steady growth over time. You're not right. going to see a huge bump. But if you see like these um, kind of areas that are on the, uh, the, the, the cusp of <coughs> becoming and they're, they're just the right price. So people rush to it. And then you have panic buyers where now they see a rush. So everyone is just trying to outbid each other and they get, they get hype. They get hype. What's, what's the right word? Like risen off hype. Yeah. <clears throat> well, guess what? They're going to drop the fastest, the more stable markets that have been around for a long time. Maybe you don't see the greatest level of increase will probably be your safest bet. Like let's so look like at a sub New York city market. Let's look in our area, Bergen mm -hmm. County, mm -hmm. some towns around us already are very expensive and you don't see massive jumps in them, right? Yeah. You're, they're not as hot as other areas around here, but they're consistent. They've been consistent yes. for a long time. Mm -hmm. So now those other areas that are hyping up real quick, all of a sudden get the brakes pulled on them. But these other areas that have always been consistent may not, may not be the hottest, may not be the coldest, usually tend to be your long run safe bets because you have people who constantly want to live there for amenities, schools, mm -hmm. things like that. Those areas will always be consistent. So let's talk about drop, right? So in, in an area such as the New York market, if we're in a downturning market, would you say that an area like New York could drop 5 or 10% versus... One of those areas we were just talking about, Arizona is maybe going to drop 20, 25%. What do you see as that? Omar? Yeah, I think going to your point earlier, when you're in a down market, some, some towns may not be affected at all. We have towns like Ridgewood, Paramus, um, so on and so forth, and suburbs of, of New York. These towns are not affected as much, but 5% can be expected. That's not significant. Okay. So, and, but typically in the real estate market, it's secondary to the job market. So we all know that when the we all know that when the job market takes a hit, real estate follows a few years afterwards. Okay, so a 5% hit really, if it's a million dollar house, that's $50,000, not the end of the world. Why do you think only 5%? It's interesting, where'd you get that number from? 
I just got it because Eric mentioned it, but um, I'm just saying five percent is not a significant amount. And um, a, a town like Ridgewood, I haven't seen it since I've, as long as I've been in real estate, hasn't taken a significant hit. So if it is to take a hit, five percent is not a big deal. Sure. So I can tell you right now, I'm in the market for a house. I actually just put an offer in over the weekend. Um, we had a bidding war. So a bidding war in a uh, I, what 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 price point would you say that house is in? It's it's not a starter 10 house. Fu Fu money price point. <laughs> it's not an Fu money. It's, Fu you know, money price point. No, maybe a tiny bit above average. Yeah, a tiny um, bit, just <laughs> just a little bit. And right. we had a bidding war, and we had to go back and forth and and make a better deal um, in this downturning market. So again, I'm a big big proponent of location plays a factor. Right. So if you know your location and you know where you're buying or if you know your location and you know where you're selling, if you're a one of a kind house um, that no one else can replicate or, or it just fits that need or if you have the right mix of bedrooms or if you're close to the school or if you're close to like a religious institution, sometimes it doesn't really right. matter. Yeah. You're no, going to no. get that number no matter what it is. The house that you purchased, how many homes run on the market in that town? Uh, about 30, but in the price point that I purchased at, there was um, like two or three. Two. Okay. That's that's an example of a town where the yeah. demand is going to remain. Yeah. And, and then the town that I'm potentially going to leave is, uh, I think there's 13 homes out of like 5,000 potential homes. I mean, there's, there's no homes for sale. So that's a, an example of today, today's market. There, there's really no downturn. Now let's see what happens. Yeah, are things sitting on the market a little bit longer? Yes. Does it depend on the condition of your house? If you have a move-in turnkey house, then, yes. then that typically is gonna get you a better offer and it's gonna be faster. If you have a project house, mm -hmm. okay, that's gonna, t that's gonna affect also whether or not you're gonna sell as quickly. Sure, okay? sure. So, so, so just to your point, let's, guys, Redfin. So R-E-D-F-I-N, Redfin, phenomenal data source. If you're a seller, whatever you are, look at them. They come out every month with statistics. They list properties, you've seen them. All of you guys watching this podcast, you've Googled it, check out Redfin. Redfin gives you housing market updates with actual statistics from sources, right? Mm -hmm. So like in, back in June, so we're now in July, we're gonna get new statistics. But in June, they said on average, 5.6% of homes for sale each week had a price drop. A record high as far back as the data goes. So that's a record high. This is pre even 08 in terms of a record of price drops. Um, and, and actually, that's not true. It started in 2015. Um, in other words, it says 22.4% of homes for sale during the entire four-week period had a price drop. So a quarter of the houses you see on the market, their prices dropped right now. Sure. Well, that also shows you that you have to pay attention to what your market says, and you have to list your home appropriately. So if you're still shooting for these crazy numbers, or if you're just shooting for a crazy number in general, then you're, of course, you're going to have to do a price drop. If you put your house out there at the price that it should be listed at or within that realm, it's going to sell right away. Do you know what I'm seeing as a lawyer? So guys, as a lawyer, we're sort of on the front, we're on the front stage of the stupidness of buyers and <laughs> the greediness of sellers. I we see it. Realtors may be on the same page as you, but yeah. I'm trying to be nice because probably a lot of people watch us as realtors and maybe I've been a little bit mean to you all for a while. Oh, no, Look, never. <laughs> so, uh, as is, like literally just didn't know what he gives a shit, water test, like just whatever, you guys are giving the house away. Now we're seeing our buyers actually pick up the phone and communicate and say, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do an as-is deal. I want yeah. outs. What are my outs? Mm -hmm. I want an inspection contingency. So buyers who are beating their chest going, you want it, take it on my terms. Guys, that dynamic has begun to shift from what we've seen in the legal world. We're now in contracts, you see buyers being more aggressive and demanding to get their rights protected. This is not right. everywhere. I recently just did a transaction for a client who knew Waved better. everything. Guys, this is such a <laughs> phenomenal story. Can I can I talk about it a little just bit? don't name any towns. No, I won't, I won't name any towns. Okay. Guys, he has been on this podcast, created the podcast. We've all spoken about it. Everyone at this table has done different things than we've preached. I bought a house that was too far. I didn't check on it, right? Things that I said you should really stay away from unless you're desperate and need to, right? right. We've all done stuff we don't say. Nobody's perfect. We talked about a whole episode on do you offer a house? And you know, no, we know better. We wouldn't do that. Guys, sometimes it's just emotional, especially yeah. in a personal residential purchase. And to Eric's point, some areas are hot. Eric went into contract 
and did no contingencies. Momo move. I had to because we were in a bidding war. Yeah. So and in again, 24 yeah. hours. Today our goal is to talk about should I sell in a downturn well, market. Well, so the, the point to that goal know. is, guys, even as sellers, don't be afraid yeah. because if you're in the right area, mm -hmm. you can still have situations like this. It's not too late. You still have an opportunity yeah. to yeah. sell because look, it, to Eric's point, though, you didn't have to bid over ask. You there were some things you gave some concessions, but but you did have to give some stuff up. So as a seller, so potentially. I didn't have to, but I mean, that's part partly my charm. I think helped that scenario. But if it if if it wasn't me, I would have said yes. I would have had to to bid over ask. Over? Okay. So this again is based on location. So while I think yes, we're trending downwards. I still think location, location, location. If you're if you're in the right location as a seller, you don't ever need to panic. So guys, you hear statistics on both sides. Like it's still okay to sell now. Don't be like, oh my God, I'm not gonna sell. I'm just yeah. gonna get destroyed. No, right. there are still areas that are hot and you can get good products, things you want. Now, of course, there's also areas otherwise that, you know, maybe- right, like where you bought your investment property. But that's further yeah. out from New York. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Again, location, location, location. Do, do you think that, do you think that suburbs at, like around major cities will hold better through a recession or I, downtown? I absolutely do. So you think it, as a seller in a suburb around it New York? It depends also on the, I think the job market in that area. Yeah. You know, if you're like in a coal mining town and the coal mine shut down and- Financial you know, hub then, let's say financial hub. I think, I think yes. Yeah, maintain the values. Yeah. Omar, so you do your fine fund flip class, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think that you would change your methodologies and find fun flip in terms of where you find with a change in the economy and a downturn in the real estate market? With the change in the if the prices went down, inventory went up, would I change? Generally, I don't think I would. So the formula that you teach in find fun flip is actually doesn't matter what economy you're in. No, follow that formula and you're good. Right. Interesting. It's all about how right. you buy. Right. We because about similar that. to your, the deal you mentioned, if you buy at the right price, you yes. have enough margin to make adjustments as you need to. Eric, as a as a guy who owns a brokerage, right? Or would you advise your residential agents to tell their clients who want to sell to wait? Or would you think now's the right time? It all depends on the factor for selling. If you're looking to absolutely maximize your dollar amount <laughs> on this on a record level, then then maybe not. But then it would also de determine where you are and what's available in that location. Um, but if you want to sell because it's part of your plan, then absolutely sell. So he, I think here's a million dollar question, right? Because let's assume the people who are listening say, all right, you know what? Um, maybe we'll wait because we want to kind of hit higher numbers. Mm -hmm. Do you think that'll happen anytime soon? Like you've experienced how many cyclical real estate markets? Given your experience- I guess two or three. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge Eric by his gray hair, everybody. <laughs> but based off your experience, when do you see a rebound in real estate typically after a drop? A couple of years. It just many depends. Years. So it's not like they're going to come back in six months and relist. Like no. if they're not going to sell now, they have to understand that they're until the bet until the foreseeable future. They're there. They're not moving it. I think so. And I think part of that fact is, uh, as a buyer, if you're buying something that's on the way down or on the way up, if you're going to stay in that location as a buyer for your own residence for five, ten years, I think the average people stay in a house for like ten years. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't affect you. It, it, it's as an investor, if you're looking to get out of something in three to six to nine months, that's when you really need to worry. So you know, you have to to gauge what you're going to sell something at, as you did, and you missed the market because you're a contractor in theory. So you're going to lose money. So Eric, can I ask you another question? Um, right now, you you're on both sides, right? As a, as running a brokerage, you're on sell and buy. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, for people listening to this podcast who maybe have just just decided recently they want to get into real estate, right? They've been following us and they're like, shit, man, aside from Nima's good looks, he taught me so much about real estate. I'm going to try this. And, you know, Omar too, and even you, Eric. So, <laughs> so with that being said, would you tell them, guys, right now, jump on the sell side or buy side? Like, Where would you steer people trying to get into real estate now? As far as an agent who's looking to... Just anybody. So... Any side it's of always estate. it's always better to represent sellers because you have more control of a transaction. Um, I think that whoever holds the gold in theory is is the winner. So by having that listing, it just gives you control. Now, if you're in a downturning market and there's 500 houses for sale and there's 10 buyers, you would argue that whoever holds the buyer in their pocket has more control. But it's, it's really based on what you price the product at. A good product is always going to sell if it's priced appropriately. So you just have to figure out what end you want to be on based on that.
But um, if I had to pick one in a down market, I would probably pick representing buyers. What about in terms of an, uh, from investors, whether you're fixed and flip or you're someone who wants to like buy, hold, and rent? So today's market, the rents are still going up. So I would buy, hold, and rent. I would I would rent everything, and uh, in a, in an area that was going down price wise, I would aggressively look and see what I could buy. And if all of a sudden there were fifty houses on the market from five, and then it went to a hundred, now all of a sudden I could start throwing offers at things, and you know make fifty offers, make fifty lowball offers, and see what's out there. You know. Okay. When would you see an Omar? To to yeah. your point too, right? Are you guys? When would you sense that your strategy from a buying perspective or selling perspective will start to change. Like, are you still utilizing the same strategies you used six months ago in terms of like what you're going to fix in a house construction before you sell it, or if yeah. you're a real estate agent, what you're going to advise the homeowner to, to prep for? And that's part of our next topic. Yeah. That's a great question. So, so I think um, six months. I besides the interest rate, I personally don't think much has changed because the demand, like we mentioned, is still there in many cases. A flip project still has to be a good finished product. And the numbers still have to work. So I don't think we're there yet where it's such a drastic change in the economy where we have to make significant changes. But interest rates have gone up, and that's causing people to take a step back. So let's talk about if you have a home that you need to sell, how important in a down market is it to make that home beautiful? In a down market? Yes. In a down market. Um, I would say probably a lot more important than a market that we've seen in the past two years because people will not waive inspections or just take the property as is. They'll demand more. You may have more competition. Okay. So you have to deliver a good product because the days of just taking everything as is are coming to an end. I don't think they're there yet. So if you're in a down market and you need a new roof, if you're in down market and you need some touch up paint and yeah. you're in a down market and you need a new driveway, you do that. You do it. You just cut it, cut well, it and run. I would do it based on what my competition is offering because if a buyer comes in and doesn't like what I'm offering, they have other options at this point. Whereas okay. for the past two years, they didn't have many options and sellers had an advantage. So then the difference between a sell selling in a downturn versus an upwardly moving market is you need to be more cognizant of what your house looks like. What it looks like and what your competition is. Okay. Okay. Who? who so I'm usually, because I, you know, from an investment standpoint, I, I have an understanding of this, but who's usually the person that guides you on this? Because there's no way, like this data that you're talking about, mm -hmm. there's no way that a first time seller, someone who's been living in their house for 10 years, they don't know this stuff. They can't, sure. where, where do they get this information? So that's a great question. A lot of people go to their local real estate agent yeah. to get advice. And there are a ton of amazing real estate agents out there. And um, mm -hmm. we highly recommend interviewing and yeah. listening and talking to them and getting opinions. But if you find the wrong one who says, oh, you need to dump $100 million into your house and it's a downward market and then just things go awry, all of a sudden you lost a ton of money. So you really need to do your own research, read the news articles, interview, as I just mentioned, a couple different people and gauge what they all say and, yeah. and get the feedback. Yeah, and also I think in today's world, buyers are more empowered than ever. I mean, every buyer I've worked with knows what's on the market, knows what the other house has that they're in, that the house they're interested in may not have. They know the they know the pros and cons of what's selling for and what values. So a lot of times they bring that same information to the table and say, "Well, I'm not offering full asking because the house next door sold for less and it has an addition in the back that this house doesn't have." What do you value in a in a in a market like right now? Right? Do you sell like that's the whole concept? Do we sell in a downturn? Assume you're selling. Mm -hmm. What do you guys do to value that property? Like, how do you go into it in terms of what value you put on that property? What's your strategy? So it's the same strategy that I've used, which is to see what the comparables have sold, except I would do an additional step at this point, saying that, well, this house sold for 400000 when the rates were 3%. So I'd have that discussion with the seller. Rates are now up to 6%, so you can expect some price adjustments. But what's the inventory like in the town? If you're the only house that's selling, you may still have an upper hand. Where do you look for this information? I get it from the MLS. Okay. Yeah. So that brings up another question. So um, how does the mortgage market, right? Yeah. So now that the interest rates are rising, does that make it harder for people to get a mortgage? And should a seller, how, how should they interview that buyer? Should it be done differently than in an upward market? Should they be more concerned? You know, so when they're putting that house on there, yeah. we're telling them, 
They have to watch out for, for the three steps uh, of identifying a down market. They have to be more cognizant about what their property looks like. What about when they're going to accept that offer? What do they need to worry about? So that's a great point. I have a couple of statistics here, many of which Neem already mentioned, but as far as mortgages, mortgage demand right now is at the lowest since the year 2000. Wow. So the interest rates directly affected the demand for mortgages. Um, so in today's market, I think the good thing is it's not like 2007 and eight where anyone's was being qualified for a mortgage. We're still seeing the same, I mean, a, a higher degree of requirements required from buyers. Mm -hmm. So if a seller has an offer from a buyer and it's a pre-approval from a legitimate mortgage company, you can assume that that person is qualified to buy. Okay. So I don't think the requirements have not changed yet. Um, but the amount the person can afford has changed. Okay, so that's what we have to pay attention to. Stressing that having that pre-approval is even more important than ever. It is important. Yeah, it's important as ever. Um, but that same buyer who could have afforded maybe a five hundred thousand dollar house six months ago may now only afford a house that's four hundred thousand. Okay. Any other things that uh, Nima or Omar that you see as a as a as, that a seller should be concerned about when accepting that buyer? Because remember. We talked about sometimes that first offer is the best offer. How do we know whether that's a good buyer in the situation? And because the market is turning in a downward uh, motion, <clears throat> time is of the essence, right? So they have to make sure that they pick the right buyer. What, what, what other things would you look out for? Yeah, so that's a great point, right? Um, like I've gotten a couple offers on some investment properties. Um, and before I really wouldn't necessarily, oh man, Stop. oh my gee. We had a bug on the table. Guys, the Everybody's price, the price of this house just went down 18%. <laughs> okay. All right. Those, those are the good bugs from um, what I hear. So, it's okay. so look, I'm not good at this, right? I actually suck at picking the right buyers because I usually don't care. I just look at numbers and I look to see who's willing to offer me the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like. So tell us from your legal perspective. As yeah. A player, what, so what, what I advise my clients, for? right? I, I wish I practiced what I preached is um, so people. You, when, when the market interest rates are low, you, you, more people are going to qualify because they'll be able to make that monthly nut based mm -hmm. off their income. When rates go higher, I would advise my seller clients when they're picking an offer to look for back in the traditional way as whoever put the most amount down, right? Yeah. Because that tells you multiple things about that person. They've been planning for this. They've thought it out. They've saved up for it. They've done their calculations. So someone who's got a significant amount of down payment, psychologically speaking, this is someone who's prepared to buy a house. He says, this is how much I can afford. And when he goes to get his mortgage, he'll probably get approved because he's already done the due diligence himself or herself to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Now, when you see people who are like, yeah, I'm going to put down 2.5%, 5%, a very low number, yeah. those to me are people who have not necessarily been planning for this purchase. It's something that came up by necessity. Maybe their wife's pregnant. They had a kid. Maybe they just want to move to a different area. Maybe they got a new job, want to quickly upgrade their lifestyle. These types of people are going to be a little bit difficult when it comes to the approval process, right. especially with higher rates, because now you know they have not planned for this and their, their income may not match what's required or the bank's underwriting requirements. Now, So you're saying look out for that down payment. Yeah. But, but, but also you have to include... <clears throat> People who do have a lower down payment, they are qualified, but they won't be able to compete against people who have a higher down payment, right? Because there's plenty of buyers, first-time home buyers. They're well qualified. They've been planning. Um, they have all their eggs in a row, ducks, ducks aligned. So what do you think? That they're <laughs> we put, put ducks down, in a row. Ducks walk ducks in a row. Have well qualified. Eggs don't walk. First-time home buyers who are going to put down 20% versus someone who's still well qualified, has been planning for the past year, has everything aligned. Their ducks, um, but they won't be able to compete against someone who has 20% down payment. And that, but, that happens a but, lot. But why should they be able to compete? Right. So d d just differentiating that they those people... They be a better people, person. Yeah. So, you should, so you're, you're, you're both saying you need to really pay attention to the down payment. The down payment, the, product. the type of financing, the, the ability to close, the ability to come up with extra cash well, if it's needed. Explain why. Like why, why mm -hmm. is that such a better offer? What's the process that, that as well, a seller you need to be concerned about? So as a, if you have multiple offers on the table and one of them is a first-time home buyer, it's unfortunate, but that FHA mortgage has more requirements to begin with. Right. So let's talk about some of those. What are some of those requirements for an FHA mortgage? Um, so when an FHA <coughs> mortgage, they send out their own inspection company person. Okay. So that's back to the better your house product, the yes. less issues you're going to have. And they'll... They may have requirements that a traditional mortgage doesn't have. Very basic things. So, let's so give us three of them. Um, one that comes to mind is I had a flip that I sold, and the porch didn't have railings. Okay. But it wasn't really a steep, steep porch to begin with. But FHA required it. Traditional banks would not require it. 
Um, another one is if there's any chip paint around the house in the basement and the exterior, FHA most likely will ask you to paint over it, okay. even though it's something minor. Um, FHA will pay attention to what else comes up. They just have their own specifics. Electrical. Electrical. Um, yes, and also their appraisal is more conservative. Okay. Very important to know. Um, and that's one thing that I always highlight that if you have two competing bids, the FHA most likely will come in at a lower appraisal. So if you have two competing bids, because remember, again, we're in a down market. Our goal is what? To get this product sold as quickly as possible because we think the market's going. And week by week, things could change, right? So if you have two offers, one is FHA and one is a conventional, mm -hmm. let's say the FHA is higher than the conventional, what do you do? You still weigh the options of taking the chance of going with an FHA. Take, I've been in that. Take the lower number. Yeah, take I've been in that many number. times because we, to give you a perfect example, I had a seller recently, the FHA came in 40 grand above the next offer. Wow. I advised him not to take it because I didn't think the agent knew what she was doing. Um, oh, <laughs> Omar thought she was dumb. <laughs> All right, so what happened? Tell us. Well, because agents do that. They throw in any offer because they realize that the appraisal is going to come in and adjust their carelessness. And I explained that to the seller, but he bought into their, um, what's that letter called? Bullshit? Yes. So they submitted a letter. They gave him the whole a, emotional the approval pitch. letter. No, Probably foolery. Okay. The emotional letter. So they put, put in. They put what's called a, a love letter. Yes. They put a, you know, so hi, he, my family wants to live here. We love the house. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> I, I still support that. I know some people don't. So but it's, it's I frowned upon. A, a, a letter to. Yeah. Just hard on his sleeve. He's, he's a good so. guy. That's why. Yeah. So he so he did buy into it, okay. and because of that, he chose that offer, and it completely wasted about three months of his time. So he played he himself. Yeah. So he lost. He lost the offer, he lost the time, and he lost the next house that he was gonna buy because it was contingent wow. on that offer. All because of that letter, see that? Dumb, so, dumb. Yeah, so, so you can accept the letter, but just make sure you do your due, your, your due diligence behind yeah. it. So the numbers on this house, I still remember were, the offer was 470, it appraised for 410. Okay. FHA, we took that offer out. Then he even said, and this is why a down payment is important. He said, instead of 470, I'll take 420, just bring an extra 10,000 to closing. They didn't have the funds. Wow. So that deal got canceled, and he accepted another offer at about four forty-five, conventional. And he lost three months of time, guys. And the next house, guys. Remember when you when you sign a contract, it's not like oh, if this falls through, that process is a thirty to ninety day yeah. process. So if you pick the wrong person, right, or you're greedy, and this is kind of when we went back earlier, do you drop your price? Like, do you mm -hmm. hold or move? Right. If you're greedy your downside is far more. You're not dealing with like a $500 product. You're yeah. rolling big money here, usually a few hundred thousand dollars. And the impact is severe. It affects your life. These are life decisions, right? When, if you, statistically speaking, the, the Google search term homes for sale is down 23% from last year. Like when the Google wow. searches drop 23%, where are you going from there, right? Mm -hmm. So if you say now I'm gonna wait for the next one, there may not be a next one. Or if you want a couple bucks more or you get you know some shiny little toy in front of you, yeah. you may lose. And so guys- You're gambling. Yeah, so, so if you wanna sell a property right now, my advice, if you're getting around what you want, because remember, you may not, what you want may not be what it's worth today, mm -hmm. right? If you're getting around what you want, take it. Take it, at least you know the deal is done, it's banked, whether you're an investor trying to sell or you're just a regular mom and dad looking yeah. to sell the property to, to move, downgrade, or you wanna move your kids to a different right. neighborhood. Take the offer that you have in hand, because remember, if you're getting offers that are less than what you're asking, odds are high when you go to buy something else, you'll be able to offer less than what's being asked for as well, Good right? right. So, so this is big picture <clears throat> thinking, which is one of the things that I always teach. <laughs> look at the big picture, look at the overall experience of what's happening. And if your goal is to move because you want to move on with your life, or if your goal is to sell because you think that it's a down market and you're going to get out now, but you can make more money on five other things in the future, just do it. As Nima said, don't let little numbers or little pieces bog you down and, and get into that. Um, I, I want to also talk about uh, the, the mortgage again. How important is it to verify what the deposit is, right? So let's say we have an FHA loan, mm -hmm. okay? Or we have that conventional loan. My experience is most brokers, okay? And most homeowners don't know that they need to see if there's funds for that, okay? There are pre-approval letters that are generated and everybody thinks that that's just enough information. But if someone has to come and bring in four or $500,000 to sell your house and you have that pre-approval letter, how do you know that they have the funds? 
and, and Nima as an attorney, have you ever run into a situation where someone had a pre-approval letter, but then they, they, they didn't actually have the funds to back up the down payment? Hmm. That's so, that's such a good question because most people don't check, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, they have to come 10 days after closing. Most people right. don't follow up. Nobody asked for it. Uh, uh, we don't ask for it. So that's a really good point. Guys, if you, that's, that's huge. Right. If you're a seller and you want to be confident, mm -hmm. ask for proof that the down payment money is there. That way you're not stuck with. And guys, if this is getting this might get a little complicated, but someone giving a gift. Mm -hmm. Right. So they have to go to friends and family to get that down payment. And, and that's then, not that that's not OK. You just have to know what you're getting into. Sure. But it's it's that 20 percent may not be a 20 percent strong like you thought, right. because they right. need their mom and dad are going to give them some money for a deposit. So mm -hmm. what Eric is saying is like you want to be ironclad bulletproof. Say, look, I like your offer. It's less than the other guy. Show me that you have your 20 percent down and yeah. I'll take your offer. Right. So you're in a sh you're in a sinking ship. There's two lifeboats. One has people on it. One doesn't you know the one with the people on it is gonna float, right? So you have to have to really vet your buyer because as we said and we saw before, you know, Omar's example, <clears throat> that guy lost three months and the price went down. Mm -hmm. He lost the he lost the the market. So vet your buyer, know what the down payment is, know what the mortgage is, super, 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 super important. And one thing I usually do is before I accept an offer, I speak to the mortgage broker. Okay. So if I don't know who the mortgage broker is or if I feel the agent is inexperienced, I call the mortgage broker and ask him what he did, he or she did to qualify the buyer. So like specifically, what what kind of, just a blanket question like that, or do you go- um, I tell them we're looking to accept this offer, but we just wanna make sure that they're qualified properly. What did you do? What what information did the buyer provide you before you give them the pre-qualification? And then they should tell me, in, they have their pay stubs, the bank statements, employment history, credit score. If they tell me they reviewed all that before providing the pre-approval letter, which is what they should have done, um, then I know that this buyer is legit. So how does a mortgage broker react when you call and ask those questions? Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> <laughs> no, ma ma majority of time, I've never had an issue. They okay. appreciate it because they want their offer to get accepted. So they'll be willing to provide all this information and make their client shine. So, so people aren't looking at you like you're nuts. They, they welcome the calls. Not at all. They appreciate it because they know that I'm looking to get the deal closed. You, you call mortgage brokers too? I do. I do all the time. You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, if I get an offer, I'll call them because it's not usually on the offer sheet or they're, mm -hmm. I'll yeah. call the mortgage broker. Be like, is this bullshit or are they the actually approved? Like, listen, yeah. guys, mortgage brokers, and I'm, if you're a mortgage broker watching this, you're going to be like, no, or you're going to be sitting there going, damn, bro, don't spill our secrets. <laughs> right? So what, what they do is they're like, oh, you need a pre approval letter? Print. It's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you've been pre-approved subject to all of their conditions. It's not your pre-qualified, right? Yeah. It, it's your pre or pre-qualified. It's not your pre-approved. So th there's, like, right. there's a key difference between pre-approval and pre-qualified. Yeah, worth, and we'll, right. we'll get into that. But th these there's letters- little boxes that say these more, subject to checking your credit, subject to this, subject Basically to subject to you applying for this loan. Yes, and you can right? even get some of them online just by typing information in. So Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're kind of bullshit if you know. So the problem is when you when you just rely on these, then they have to actually go apply for their mortgage. It's problematic. Yeah. So look into it. Don't be afraid to ask questions to make sure mm -hmm. you're making the right decision to get the best buyer. Because look, things life has changed. They're going, I know I'm boring everybody with statistics, but there's a, a firm called Black Knight, right? It's a financial data firm. Mm -hmm. And Black Knight came out and said a typical home uh, buyer's mortgage rates since last year or even the beginning of this year, 2022, have gone up 44%, right? Wow. It's not like... It's not a small amount. So they did some like they did some statistics on like where what what money got you, right? And data used to show that if you were buying a home with 2000 bucks a month in like Providence, Rhode Island, you used to be able to buy a 4900 square foot home, right? Today with that same monthly payment, you can only get a 2200 square foot home, right? Or even areas like San Francisco mimic the same things where things you used to buy are half the size. Right, they're they're much 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 smaller, guys. The the game has changed, and there's no there's no end in sight. Inflation is running rampant. Yeah. Inflation's not like oh we raised interest rates, it stopped. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think they're morons. They created this problem by printing free money for everyone yeah. and allowing a bunch of sixteen year olds on Reddit to manipulate the stock market <laughs> and a bunch of idiots to sell a fake currency called a Dogecoin. Guys, it's a coin with a picture of a dog on it. Right, like. The reality is we are now paying for the mistakes of our two years past. So mm -hmm. make smart financial decisions, whether you're buying or you're selling. Think about it, do the math, do the numbers, right? Awesome. So let me take a moment and say, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, we post videos weekly. 
recareercenter.com is our website. You can come check us out on the Remix Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on Spotify. We're on um, Apple Podcasts. And we're on, some, we're on Google. We're on something. But we'd love to see you there. Um, and please comment on our videos. Let us know uh, if there's topics you want us to talk about. Let us know if you have any questions. Um, give us a rebuttal. Like when Nima makes a comment and it doesn't make any sense to you, tell us. Yo, I will jack <laughs> okay. you up online. We want to know. But, so, I'll troll you. Anyway, so again, the question is, should we sell in a downturn market? So what do you say, yes or no? Uh, I was coming in here saying really just fire sell, but you've changed my mind. I think that that question requires some thought depending on where you are and what your reason for sale is. So I would lean right now towards you could still sell. It's not a bad time, but I think that some more thought should be put into it using the three questions that you presented to the podcast earlier. Okay, Omar, should I sell in a downturn market? I have to agree with Nima. Fully. Awesome. Um, what has happened to this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> yeah, except um, in it, I don't think we're in a downturn market yet. Okay. Interest rates have gone up and people are adjusting, but we're not in the downturn market. Omar's like, once all yet. my flip houses are sold, yes. the market has <laughs> turned, guys. All right, so we have, we're not in a downturn market yet. We have doom and gloom over here. We just don't know, but do we're going to find out. What do I think? Yeah. I think we're in a spot downturn market. And okay. I think that things are definitely are not uh, looking up. But I, I think, as always, if you know the market that you're in and you know what you're buying, there's always a way for you to make money. And um, it, you just have to, de to determine what's the reason that you're doing something. So big picture, whether it's selling or buying. Today we're talking about selling. What's your big picture? If you've had that house for 10 years and you're retiring to move to Florida, does it really matter, right? If you are moving uh, because of a job and you're getting a $500,000 uh, a year pay increase, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, right? So it really depends on the situation. Know what your situation is and that's how you make those decisions. Yeah. Super yeah. easy. Um, we are going to do another video up and coming soon about should I buy in a downturn market? That's going to be totally different arguments than you saw today. We're super excited about that. But again, as, as always, thanks for watching the remix and we will see you next time. Wear your shark hats for that episode, guys. If you, yeah, if you visualize it, you can own it.